This morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. title of the message this morning is, What is the Church? Ephesians chapter 2. If you would stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 19. Verse 19 is where we're going to be. We got it? All right. Word of the Lord says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. God, thank you that you're so good to us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us today. Lord, that those who would have an ear, let them hear the declaration of your word this morning, that it would not be my word spoken, but yours spoken through me. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Throughout our walk with Jesus, throughout our relationship with Christ, oftentimes we must ask the question or even re-ask two main questions in our walk with Jesus. The first one is, and it's, it's very obvious, but the first one is, who is Jesus? We have to ask ourselves that at the very beginning of our walk with Jesus, when we decide to make a decision for Christ, we understand that, that the answer to the question, who is Jesus, is Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. That's important to know. But then even throughout the rest of our walk with Jesus, we, we still have to a- ask that question to us sometimes because our hearts sometimes wander. They, they sometimes look away from who Jesus actually is. And, and, not ne- and, and then in some ways we sit there and let me give you an example would be maybe us trying to earn our own way into heaven. But Jesus is the Savior. And so we'd have to ask the question, who is Jesus in this matter? Or even who is Jesus when we sit there and say, well, I'm not really sure that I know Jesus said this, but I don't really feel doing what he said. Well, then the question is, who is Jesus? And the answer is he is Lord. And so we must follow him. The second question I think that oftentimes we have to ask ourselves as believers is, what is the church? That's why the message today is all about that. And you've heard me talk about this a lot. And, and I just feel like every single time, it's good to have a refresher of, of what is the church. And I mean capital C Church. I don't just mean Emmanuel Assembly of God. I mean, I mean the church at large. If you are a believer, you're part of the church. If you declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're part of the church. In this passage, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and the church in Ephesus is struggling with something that really was prevalent throughout the entirety of the early church, and that was answering this question, is is what is the church? Or, or, Or more specifically in this passage, it's who's part of the church? 
Who, who can be part of this, of this community of believers? What was going on is there was a, a little bit of a church split that was going on during this time in Ephesus. It was, it was between the, the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers. The Jewish believers believed that they were the ones that, that were the chosen ones because that's pretty much what they heard their entire lives until Jesus came and said, actually, everybody can be my chosen one as long as they choose me. And so Jewish believers believed that they were the ones, they were kind of first class citizens of heaven while the Gentile believers were kind of second class. And this caused some disunity and dysfunction within the Ephesian church. And, and Paul, he's addressing this issue because this church is really on the verge of a split. They're going to have Gentile Christianity, right? Gentile assembly of God over here and, and Jewish assembly of God over here. And, and we're not going to mix and we're just going to be separate. And so Paul addresses this in this passage and really this entire chapter. He talks about how, how we are, are made alive in Christ. That was a, a little bit before this passage. And then he goes on to sit there and say that we are reconciled fully to Christ. That if you are a believer, if you believe and declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, how you grew up, you're reconciled fully. And then Paul turns and he is addressing the Gentile believers who have been told since converting, since coming to know Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus, have been told that they're not as good as the Jewish believers. And he, he sits there and he, and he opens up in, in this passage, and, and it's really a continuation of the verses before that, and I encourage you to read them on your own. But he says, consequently, because we've been redeemed, because we've all been reconciled to Christ, he's speaking to the Gentiles, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. Paul is writing and he's addressing the Gentiles within the church and he's saying you're no longer a foreigner. You're no longer someone who feels like you're on the outside looking in or, or you're relegated to a small space within the church. No, what you are is your fellow citizens. What that means is, is your citizenship is just the same as a Jewish believer. That you're citizens of heaven with every single Jewish believer as well. And that citizenship, it's a, this is a declaration, it's a social political stance, it's, it's this, you have the same rights and the same, and the same place as everyone else does in the kingdom of God. That's what Paul is writing here. He's declaring and sitting there and saying that if you are a believer, then, then you are a citizen with the same benefits, the same rights, the same ability to go to God as everybody else, every other believer is. You don't just simply have to, to, to have someone pray for you. You can pray. It's not just simply that you can, you can go and you have to, there's not this hierarchy within, within the church where, where this person is more important in the kingdom of heaven than anybody else. Or that they have some special access just because I have pastor as a title doesn't mean that I have some special access to God that you don't have. It's just simply the mantle of a pastor and of a shepherd is put on me, which is a lot heavier of a mantle than the ones that you have. 
Then he continues on talking and speaking. He says, you're, you're a citizen, but he goes a step further, and I think that's really, really important in that first verse, in verse 19. It's not just that we're citizens. We're not just simply individuals that, that are part of the... I mean, we can all be citizens, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to know each other or even like each other. But what this is saying is, he, he brings it a step further, and he, and he creates some, somewhat of an intimate relationship with one another. He says, you're members of his household. And so you're no longer a foreigner. You're no longer a stranger. You're, you're a citizen within, with God's people. But not only that, we'll take it a step further, that, that you are a member of his household. You're part of the family. See, instead of what the Gentiles would, would understand if you're a follower of a, uh, of a pagan religion, you would be a temple dweller. That's an individual that would, you know, you would go and you would spend time in that temple, in that place. But you're not a mere temple dweller within, within Christianity. Instead, what you are is you're a member of a household. You're part of a family. That's what Paul is talking about. He's saying that, that you're not just simply someone who, who declares, who checks in a box that you're a Christian. You're part of the family of God. There's this intimacy that we have in relationship with one another that no matter what happens, no matter what you've been through, no matter what, what story you may have, at the end of the day, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, we're family. That's what that means. He goes on and, and talks about how the foundation of the church was built upon Jesus, that Jesus is the foundation. It was established by Jesus, that's why he's the cornerstone, and it was built upon by the apostles and the prophets of that time. This is a foundation that cannot be torn away. It's a foundation that cannot be ripped up. We talked about this last week a little bit with this eternal kingdom, this understanding that everything else will be shaken away, but that which is eternal will stay. We see this in Jesus being the, the cornerstone of the church. We look at this in, in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. The prophet writes, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. He's talking about, and the Lord is saying here, is, is, the Lord's talking about Jesus. The, that the church is a place where, where it is a, a sure, has a sure foundation if, if Jesus is the cornerstone. Psalm 118.22, this is referenced in 1 Peter chapter 2, but this is what he's referencing. It says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Peter talking about, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he's speaking about the gospel. He's talking about who Jesus is. And he's, he's hearkening back to this psalm in Psalm 118. And he's, and he's really talking about how you all rejected Jesus. Jesus was rejected by you. And now that rejection, the world rejected it. The leaders rejected it. Because he was rejected, he's now become the chief cornerstone of the church. But the cornerstone and the foundational pieces have been laid by Jesus, built upon by the apostles and the prophets. 
And it says, in him, it's verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. The temple was a place where the presence of God could be experienced. It's really interesting, this word holy temple, it's, it's, it's different than your normal word for temple. The word for temple in this passage is not your normal, average, everyday word for temple. The, the, the word for temple would, would mean that, that it was, the normal one would mean that it's temple in its entirety. So like whenever we talk about a building, if, if you were at a building, the temple in its entirety of the temple, that's the normal word for it. But this word in, in the Greek... Instead, it's, it's the word used to describe the inner sanctum of the temple. In, in Jewish tradition, this would be the holy of holies. This would be the place within the temple that, that God's presence is fully there all the time. And so Jesus is building this, this place, this, this holy temple where His presence can be known, can be experienced. This is actually a common thread throughout all of Scripture. Is that the people of God, it starts, Genesis chapter 1, starts in Eden. And Eden is a place where we can have full accessibility to God's presence. It's a place where God's presence is, is fully known, is fully manifest, that we are able to experience the Lord. We're able to walk with Him. Adam and Eve walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. And because of sin, sin shut us out of that presence. And so really all of history throughout the Bible, all, all of biblical history, and even now to the end of time, is, a, is us trying to get back to that place where we can fully experience the presence of God always. And so this is a common theme that we are trying to get to the Holy of Holies. This, we're trying to get to the place that God is, is dwelling. We're trying to be this place where God is dwelling. It's a theme. It, it starts in, in Genesis chapter 28. This is Jacob's dream about Jacob's ladder. Verse 12, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. This is the, this is the beginning of that theme that there is a, there is a place in which God communes, in which the presence of God can be fully known, can be fully felt and fully experienced. There is a place like that. And that is the holy temple that Jesus is building. Caveat to this is that there is no temple without Jesus as the foundational piece. There is no place where you can fully commune with God, where you can have uh, an experience with the presence of the Lord, the true God, the true presence of the Lord. You cannot experience that unless there is a foundational piece of Jesus. And then he goes on to say, he says, he says this in verse 21, In Him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And then in verse 22 it says, And in Him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. 
So now the, the Lord Jesus is building this temple, but, but what's happening is, is that the temple isn't yet built. It's not complete yet. That Jesus is the cornerstone and the apostles and prophets laid the foundation of the temple, but the bricks need to be put on the foundation. It's like that. It's it's like a place where if you've ever seen a uh, something that's a home that's being built and it's not fully built, you just see the concrete slab, and that's it. You just see the foundation piece being laid, and then imagine if the contractor was like, "All right, house is done. Go live in there." Well, what about the roof? What about the roof? You got the foundation. The foundation is the most important piece. But it doesn't necessarily make the entirety of the home. It makes, sure that the, it makes sure that the home doesn't fall apart. That the home isn't, isn't destroyed easily. But it must be built upon. And that's who we are. The bricks. To become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. We see that it's all of us being formed together. This is what makes a holy temple. That when we come together in this place, whether it's Sundays or or Wednesdays or whatever that looks like, we are creating a holy temple, a holy place for God to reside. It's our meeting together and being the church that God wants to reside in. I love that it says that where God lives by His Spirit. That's the full presence of God dwelling and living with His people. Why? Because His people are part of that temple. When we come together, again, I said this before, but when we come together on Sundays, this place is not just simply a building. It's not just simply a place where we sit down and we worship and we we hear a sermon and all those things. This place is a holy habitation of the Lord. This place is a place where we welcome the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God resides with us. That's what Jesus, that's what Paul's talking about. That's what Jesus is doing. And so we ask that question again what is the church when we look at this? What is the church? By this passage, we see kind of two answers to that question. The church is the kingdom of God on earth. This is a place where the presence of God can be experienced. The church, the capital C church, when when believers get together, we create in, in and of ourselves a holy temple, a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. And we all can experience the power and the presence of the Lord by being together. And not only that, but the church is a family. That's, that's the important, that's something that I kind of want to park on a little bit, and you've heard me say this before. One of the, one of the main uh, values that we have here at Emmanuel is that this is a place where anybody can belong. And what I mean by that is, is we choose our words very wisely by the word can. That means is that, that it's not just everybody does belong, It's everybody can belong. You must choose to belong. 
The family of God is is the church is the family of God. This is a place where you can belong no matter what as long as Jesus is your Lord and Savior. It's important. That is the line that is drawn. If Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, then you will feel like the odd man out. You will feel like you're on the outside looking in. Because Jesus has to be your Lord and Savior in order for you to be a part of the family of God. And it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what junk you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what sins you have committed. It doesn't matter any of those things. None of that matters. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, your family. Period. And that's what's being talked about in this passage, that that you no longer are are foreigners. We're no longer, I mean, if you think about it, if, if you even just look around at the people in this room, you really think we would be friends without Jesus? That's the reality of it. You honestly think that, that we would be, that all of us together would be going and having picnics and hanging out together and laughing together without Jesus? Probably not. Because each of us have a different walk of life that we've come from. And yet, Jesus makes us family. And family is a thing that is, that it's, it's an intimate thing. It's not just simply a, uh, hey, how are you? It's a actually caring for one another. Family is a thing that, you know, you, you can't necessarily choose your brothers and sisters. I've got a younger sister and younger brother. When we were growing up, I wish I could have chosen. Because <laughs> I'd choose somebody else. But I'm blessed that I have them. And in the same way, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you're part of the family. Period. Have a say about that. Jesus already said it. This isn't about us being like, well, you got to be cleaned up. You got to do these things. You can't act this way. You, you got you to sit still during service, all of these different things. No, it's, it's you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Great, you're in the family. Everything else is just sanctification. It comes as we continue to walk with Jesus. So the church is a family. This is a very inclusive, exclusive statement. If the, if the church is a family, then that means that the church also isn't other things. The church isn't a social club. This isn't a place where we just simply exist just to spend time together. No, our, our fellowship has a purpose. I loved being able to, to have last, last Sunday's picnic. It was, it was incredible that we got to celebrate those that were being baptized and we got to eat together. But not only that, but there were, there were unbelievers that came last week. Most of them were family members of those that were baptized because we wanted them all to be there. That was strategic. 
Because we want people to, to see and, and understand what it's like to be part of the family. That, that when we hang out, when we spend time together, all of it isn't just so that we can spend time together. No, Jesus is declared that we are building upon the foundation of Christ and the apostles and prophets. Jesus is declared in our family. Jesus isn't in it, then go somewhere else. There's plenty of places at the rec center you can hang out in clubs. No, our, our fellowship is more than just being together. It's being together to point everybody to Christ. Church is a family. That means that the church is not and. and I've heard this from some of us. The church is not a hospital. Hear me. A hospital you go to when you're sick, when you need help. What happens once you're healthy? Hmm. So what that means is some of us, we treat church like a hospital where, where we are, where we come in when we're sick. We come in when we just, we really, we're at the end of our rope and we need Jesus to do something. And then as soon as Jesus does something, we're out. I don't need the church anymore. The church has served its purpose. And what that means is for me, I'm essentially a spiritual chiropractor. Where I go and I give you a little bit of an adjustment and then, and then give you a fix and say, see you back next week or, or figure out a regimen for you to be able, you can tell I've been to the chiropractor the last couple of weeks, figure out a, 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 a regimen for you to be able to, to get back on your, on your feet and then all of a sudden you stop coming and then six months later you'll be back because you need another adjustment. That's not the church. This is a place for if you're sick, if you're hurting, you can come and you can be healed, but we want you to stay. We want you to experience because there's more to being part of the family of God than just being healed. There's more to being part of the family of God than just being made whole. That is part of it. But now you being made whole becomes a testimony to make others whole. And if you just decide to leave as soon as you're whole, all these other broken people that the Lord's going to send to us and wants you to use your testimony, you're going to miss out on that. The church is not a hospital. The church is not a charity. Doing good is not the reason why we exist. We do good because Jesus tells us to. We do good because, because, Jesus, because we want to build the kingdom of God. That's not sitting there and saying that, that we don't do good things. We should do good things. We should pray for our communities. We should work for the betterment of our communities. Absolutely, 100%. But the sole purpose of why the church exists is not just to be a social Charity. Those things come with being part of the church. But our identity is in Christ on the foundation to build the kingdom of God. It's not simply handing out sandwiches. It's handing out sandwiches and praying and, and getting people to Jesus. The 
The church is not a job. It's not a place for you to just to put in your time and then go home. This is a sad thing about American church. Is that somehow we've relegated church to a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening and that's about it. We've relegated being the church as, as something of, of, you know, do you, do you see your children once a week? What about your husband or your wife? You see them once a week? Imagine, just be like, all right, all right, babe, I'll see you, I'll see you in a week. We, we've had our two hours this week. We're, we're, I'm good. I'll see you next week. Some of you may want that. We need to pray. It's not a job. It's not just simply for us to, to clock in and clock out. It's, it's not a earning a place in the family. It's not us putting in our time so that we can rise through the ranks and finally become manager of the church. That's not what that is. No, it's simply a place where you can belong. You don't have to do anything to be part of the family of God. You can just be. And some of us, we treat it like a job, like we have to clock in and clock out. You know, I, I, those of us that may, you may miss a couple of weeks uh, on, a, on Sundays or whatever that looks like, and sometimes I'll call those individuals that, that I know maybe haven't been there in a while, and, or I'll have other people reach out, and, and that's not to sit there and police you to come to church. That's simply because the, the family cares for each other, and if I haven't seen you in a while, I want to know if you're okay. I just want to make sure you're good. Maybe you're sick, and, and I, hadn't, I didn't even know about it, and I had no idea. And, and if I'm able to, to call and pray for you, then, or call and know that, then I can pray for you, and we can pray for you. It's not to police you. It's simply just to make sure that you're okay. Why? Because family cares for family. So it's not a job. And finally, the church is not a daycare. This is just for anybody with children in the room. I really feel like this is important. Your children going to children's church, going to the nursery, and going to, to youth, it's not daycare. It's not just somebody needs to watch my kids so I can go have some Jesus. No, it's they're getting Jesus in those places too. I think it's important because so many times we think we relegate or we think that past, what Pastor Amy does in kids' church is just watching kids and making sure they don't go crazy. Like just make sure that they don't burn down the church and, until service is over. That's not the way that we do things. No, Pastor Amy lays a foundation of faith for our children. What she does is very important. And vice versa, you sending your kids to go to children's church, to be a part of youth, those are very important things. It's, it's so important for them to be a part of the family of God because that's what it is. It's part of the family. And not only that, but, but if, if you relegate this, the care for your child or the spiritual care for your child to simply Pastor Amy or Carly or me or, or whoever may be leading that day, then you're missing out on the call to disciple your own children. We're, we're a tool to help you. We, we come alongside of you to be able to help you to disciple your children. Sometimes kids don't listen to parents. Shocker, I know. 
but they will hear sometimes an adult that loves them, that cares for them, and that speaks life into them. We could be saying the same thing. This is the craziest thing. I'll have conversations with parents, and I'll say the exact same thing that parent said to their student whenever I was a youth pastor. And the, and the student would be like, man, that's awesome. And the parent's like, I have no idea what, like, what, that's exactly what I said. Like, yeah, it, but it came from me and not from you. And that's a tool. That's not competition. The church is not a daycare. It's not just simply a place that watches your kids. It's a place to lay a foundation to help you. Some of us, man, we, I don't have kids yet, but I'm just assuming I'm going to need a lot of help in being able to raise children. And I need to be surrounded by the body of Christ. And likewise, parents, that's exactly what you need to. And so the question that I have for us this morning is, is a very simple one, but are you part of the family? The only way to be in the family, you can't earn your spot, but are you part of the family? It's just simply to declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I know I've, I've said this before. I know I've preached this before. You're probably tired of hearing me preach about it. but I preach about it because we're not there yet. Because there's still some of us that have, have chosen, I want to be part of the family, but I'll only be part of the family like this, like you're like a distant cousin twice removed. Like you're that uncle that we never see. And so you may even be a believer and you would say, yeah, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, but you, you still struggle with being part of the family. I don't, maybe it's I don't feel like I am. And, and I want to just talk about some indicators and then we're going to pray and, and we'll have communion together because that's what the family does. We have communion. But you might not be part of the family if, and you don't know very many people at Emmanuel but have been here for a while. If you're a believer, you, you say Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and, and you're like, yeah, I, I go to Emmanuel, and, and really, you don't know very many people, but you've been coming here for years. I, I would just encourage you and challenge you to meet somebody new. Even after service today, go and meet somebody new. Odds are there's someone in here that you don't know their name. Some of you are really good at knowing everybody's names, which is awesome. But some of you, you, you don't know their names. See, sometimes we can stick to a certain group that we're comfortable and familiar with. There's, there's kind of two main age groups, bear with me, age groups that, that fall into this category a lot, that fall into this. The younger crowd, so, so youth and student age and, and young adult age, we tend to only want to hang out with young adults. And then vice versa on the other end is, is our senior saints. And you only want to hang out with senior saints. And so you only know those that are in Legacy 55, but you don't know anybody that isn't in Legacy 55. 
That's a start. Learn everybody's name in Legacy 55. If you don't go to Legacy 55, you should. But also here on a Sunday or a Wednesday, just learn somebody's name. Get to know them. Sometimes an indicator is you may feel like you're on the outside looking in at the church. Not because, and hear me, I'm not saying this because like we're leaving you in the dust. I don't want to do that. I want you to be a part. I want you to belong. And so that might be an indicator. Maybe Sunday mornings are the only thing that you're a part of. That's an indicator that you may not be part of the family fully. See, how can you grow in community if you're only around someone for a Sunday morning service? And even services, we don't a lot, I mean, before and after service, you have to get here early to talk to people or say afterwards. But we're not given like 15, 20 minutes in the middle of service for us to hang out. And so the only time that you're here is, is just simply when there's something going on on this platform on Sunday mornings, then you're missing out on being part of the family. There's a reason why we have a women's ministry. There's a reason why there's Legacy 55. There's a reason why there's a men's ministry. There's a reason why we have youth ministry. Because it's time for us just to build relationships and, and get closer together and sharpen one another. And sometimes we can be on the outside looking in because really you, the expectation or the mindset is I'll get everything I need on a Sunday morning. And the reality is, is no, you, you need more relationship throughout the week. And I know that's just stuff that the church provides, that like the Emmanuel provides is that. Women's, men's, youth, legacy. But there's others in here that are meeting together on a regular basis. Praise God, keep doing it. This isn't about competition that you can only be a part of things that Emmanuel has their stamp on. No, it's be a part of the, the family of God. Hang out with each other. You may be on the outside looking in, struggling with being part of the family if you criticize without offering solutions. If you see a need or, or if you see that we're missing something, then man, please come and talk to us. Absolutely. I'm not sitting there and saying you can't provide uh, a, hey, here's what you're missing or here's a blind spot. I'm not saying that. I got a call from someone last week talking about some, hey, did you, did you think about this? And, and I was like, nope, I didn't actually. That, that, that's great. Thank you for letting me know. Or I, I, I kind of thought through it and, and I, I just needed them to kind of talk me through it a little bit more. But if all we do is criticize and we don't sit there and say, hey, this could be a good option for us. Or, or hey, I'll, I see that there's a, there's a blind spot over here and, and I just feel like, uh, you know, I, I just, th this just isn't good. And then you just walk away. Like, don't do that. <laughs> Maybe I'd love to, to sit down and talk through solutions. And some of it, I, I, already, I know the problems, and we're, we're trying our best to figure out the solution, and you might have it. 
So bring it. And then, finally, and and there's a a bigger list. I just want to touch on these few. You may be having a hard time being part of the family if you need a title or position in order to be involved. I'll be really involved in the church as long as I can teach. Just so you know, I know this, this isn't anybody in here, okay? Just so you know, Nothing makes a pastor more nervous than someone coming in for the first time and saying, I can teach. James would say that not all of us should want to teach because we will be judged harsher. And not only that, but I'm responsible for what gets taught. At the end of the day, I stand before the Lord, not just for what I teach, but for those that are in the pulpit, what they teach as well, as long as I reside as the shepherd over this church. And so sometimes if that's what you'll you'll do, you only serve if you're leading something, if you're teaching something, then you've really missed out on what it is to be part of the family of God. Psalm 84.10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Says, I would rather just be in God's presence. I just want to be part of the family. So, you know, if, if, it's, if you're at that point of being like, well, I'll only be a part of the family if I get a title, then the next step for you is, is changing your heart, allowing the Holy Spirit to change your heart and go talk to Stephanie about getting on first impressions to be at the door. I'd rather be a, a doorkeeper in the house of God than to have a title. And that'll come, hear me, I'm not saying that you're never gonna lead, you're never gonna teach. I'm not saying that. That time will come. But we got to have patience and just belonging to the family for a little bit. Maybe some of us, it's a lot of bit. But just have patience. So again, that question is, are you part of the family? It's my heart as your pastor. That every single person under the sound of my voice would belong. Would feel like you have a place here. Would feel like you're wanted. You are not just simply someone to fill a seat. You are not here just by accident or because somebody drug you here. You're here because God wants you to be part of the family. Maybe you've been struggling to be part of that, and and it's time. It's time to lay aside some things in order to pursue the family of God. And so what is the church? It's the family. And it sounds weird, and it sounds a little bit like a cult whenever we talk about ourselves as a family. But the reality is, is this is the best way that I can 
This is the best way we can describe the church. That when, when you're hurting, the church surrounds you to help you. That when you're celebrating something, the church surrounds you and lifts you up on their shoulders and, and we, we celebrate with you. When you're at your lowest parts, the church is there. When you're at the highest parts, the church is there. When you need some direction and guidance, the church is there. When you just need a place to sit and chill for a minute, the church is there. The church is a family, that's why. So what we're going to do is, again, just that question, are you part of the family? And and maybe you're a believer in this place, but you would say, I- I'm not. Or maybe it's, maybe your, your heart is just quickened to being more a part of. Praise God. We're going to pray. When we pray, I just simply want you to, to ask the Lord to give you eyes to see and an open heart to see that you do belong to the family of God. see that you are a part of this. What the Lord is doing here, what, what God is, I mean, if you were at the, at the picnic last week, you heard the testimonies. God making people new and, and delivering and, and doing wonderful, incredible things in people's lives. Why? Because they had an encounter with Jesus because they're part of the family. And when we're part of the family, we become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We become this, this thing where we experience the power of God and, and the presence of the Lord. And that's all I want from you and for you is that you would belong so you can experience God fully. And so we're going to pray. And if that's you and you would just simply say, I, I I want to be more part of the family. I'm in the family. I'm I'm part of the family, but I just sometimes I feel like I'm the outside looking in. Then let's just pray that you would be fully in. Let's just pray that you would be you would be all in for for what you can and where you can be. Let's pray that, that the Lord would open your eyes and even open your heart to pour out his love and his presence and his peace on you, that you would feel like you're part of it. And so I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll go into communion here in a moment. But if that's you, just pray along with me. Father, I thank you so much for the family of God, for your family, that we're not simply just citizens, but we're part of your household. I thank you, Father, for that. I thank you, Lord, for the love that you show us in that we can be part. Your word says, what great love you've lavished on us that we would be called your children, and that is what we are. Thank you, Father, for that. And now for any brothers or sisters that are in the room that are struggling with being a part of the family. Maybe they have some frustration, some unforgiveness, some bitterness. I pray, Lord, that they would be able to lay that at your feet today.
Maybe, Father, they just have some, some hurt in their heart and, and it's, it's hindering them from being all in. Or them even seeing that they're part of the family. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just be with them. That they would lay that at your feet. That even now they would be experiencing the love that it is being part of the family, the grace, the peace, that it is knowing that we're a part of the family of God. I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us. Be with my brothers and sisters now. That they would know you and know you in a deeper way because they're part of the family.